Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's been a short, compact week. Thursday night football is almost here, and it's a big one, of course. Packers against the Cardinals out in Arizona. Cardinals at 7-0, Packers at 6-1. We know all of that. A very important game here for late November. And the latest with regard to the Packers, uh, the offense is going to be a bit shorthanded, it appears, because not only is Devontae Adams on the COVID-19 reserve list, but Alan Lazard has been added to that list as well. Um, a real challenge here now for the Packers on offense when you're going up against one of the best offenses in the league and you kind of think, you know, this is going to be one of those you got to keep up scoring yeah, type of games without question and, and you know and first and foremost as i'm going to say every time we address COVID 19 related items you hope for the best from a humanistic standpoint for Devonte adams and alan lazard both genuinely good guys you hope everything works out in that regard shifting back to the business of football the fact of the matter is, is the packers are pretty depleted at receiver you also have malik taylor on COVID 19 as well Marcos Valdez-Scantling at the time in which we're taping this, not sure if he's going to be activated or not right. off of injured reserve. So just looking in terms of who the active guys are on the roster, it's Randall Cobb, Equinemius St. Brown. You would imagine they'll probably end up activating Jawan Winfrey off the practice squad for this game. He was active last week as well. It almost in some ways, Mike, reminds you a little bit of that playoff game at the end of the 15 season where now they lost Randall Cobb in the course of that game. Yeah. But they were down to basically their last three guys at receiver and James Jones with the hoodie, <laughs> Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis, and they nearly won the dang game. But it's going to be about the playmakers in this game. Regardless of whether or not MVS is back or Taylor is activated, they have to be able to rely on their running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, not just as runners, as playmakers. They're going to need Robert Tunyon to step up. Mark, you know, you know, Mercedes Lewis has been a go-to the last couple weeks. It's going to take a full-throated effort there by the Packers to make this thing go for them on Thursday night. And then, obviously, the biggest kingpin of all, Aaron Rodgers, playing the way that Aaron Rodgers needs to play against a guy in Kyler Murray who, at 24 years old, really looks like he's going to be one of the preeminent quarterbacks here for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. You wonder, I mean, for the Packers, this is one of those things where who's it going to be, right? Who is the guy or guys, you hope it's even more than one, that steps up and has that kind of big-time game. Obviously, Robert Tunyon uh, had a very productive game last week against Washington, got into the end zone on a 20-yard touchdown pass. EQ St. Brown, we saw him catch a touchdown against Chicago. Yes, it got called back, you know, controversial or close call type of penalty thing there. Maybe rookie uh, receiver Amari Rogers gets more snaps here. We've seen Randall Cobb have a multi-touchdown game. Yeah. This season, and then we all know what the Packers have in the backfield: Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. The Packers, interestingly, and this is a stat that's almost hard to believe, of course, but in the Matt Lafleur era, Devontae Adams has missed six games, and yet the Packers are six and zero in those games. And the reason I'm, you know, asking the question, who's it going to be? Because you look at how the Packers have won those six games when Adams has been out of the lineup in Matt Lafleur's offense. We saw. Aaron Jones have a four-touchdown game in Dallas. We saw him have 150-plus receiving yards at Kansas City, both of those games in, in 2019. Jamal Williams had a 100-yard rushing game in 2019 with Devontae Adams out of the lineup, and the Packers beat the Lions in prime time. And then you go to last year, 
Tunyon had the three-touchdown game against the Atlanta Falcons. Al Lazard had the big game at New Orleans. So it's been always been somebody, right, in order to be able to come out victorious. So the question is, you know, who is it going to be? We'll have to find out. Yeah, the best part about that streak that they've been on is I think the narrative going into every single one of those games was, well, they lost Devontae Adams, now what? <laughs> and, and it was inevitably somebody always stepping up. The Alan Lazard one, although they won't have Lazard on Thursday night, is the one that really hits home for me because I thought it was that game that he really showed that this guy can be a guy that can be counted on yeah. You know, when the lights are bright. Unfortunately, he suffers the CMI in that game, and then he misses six games. But it, 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 like I said, it's going to take all hands on deck to beat a team like Arizona. They're the top-scoring defense in the National Football League right now. I mean, we focus so much offensively what they do, but defensively, they're limiting teams as well. Cliff Kingsbury, that style of offense, the air raid, whatever you want to call it. Right. There's so much focus, even going back to his time at Texas Tech, has been on the offensive side of the ball. They very quietly built a monster on defense, though, with, you know, Buda Baker and, as you know, Marcus Golden. They bring in, you know, J.J. Watt. Chandler Jones has been one of the top pass rushers while unheralded. Uh, a very productive player for a number of years now. So and he's a, just been reactivated as well. Reactivated as well. And there's just there's so many weapons that you look at. Um, Isaiah Simmons was a really exciting inside linebacker coming out. You know, and, and you know Xavier Collins. There's a lot that Green Bay is going to have to contend with. And you know, to their credit, Rodgers, Lafleur, Nathaniel Hackett, they've been able to develop some really brilliant game plans over the years. And you know, as as Dean Lowry kind of said, you know, in talking with the media on, on Tuesday, you know, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon have really stepped up through the course of the season. This might be a game where it makes sense for those guys to step up again. Yeah, absolutely. And on the defensive side of the ball, Packers are planning to be without defensive coordinator Joe Barry, who tested positive for COVID. Matt LaFleur announcing uh, late in the day on Tuesday that defensive backs coach and passing game uh, coordinator on the defensive side, Jerry Gray, will be the play caller uh, for the defense on Thursday. And obviously, a natural choice there because Gray has been a defensive coordinator for two different franchises in this league—a total of eight years, five years with Buffalo, three with Tennessee. This is a this is a seat he has sat in mm -hmm. before, right? And uh, um, and, and and a coach who in uh, a couple of short years here has made uh, has made quite an impact on this Packers defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could tell, you know, since day one when he came in through the door, just the, the way he carries himself, you know, the respect, the credibility, uh, and, and the production. I mean, Jair Alexander, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Jair, but, you know, he's become an all-pro cornerback now, adding to that lineage uh, with Gray and some of the work he did in, in Minnesota and, and with the, the Titans. So, there's a lot of history there uh, in terms of his production with, with the cornerback position, but it would have always made sense under any circumstance for Gray to be the guy that gets the call if Joe Barry can't be there. But this week in particular, I think is really important because now it is going to be about a tight window that Green Bay has to bounce back off a really good, you know, successful all around team victory on Sunday and now play, you know, statistically the best team in the National Football League. Yeah. You need somebody who's been there. He's done that. Gray's done it, as you said, in two different stops. We'll be very interested to see what the communication process is like. Matt LaFleur said right now Gray will call the plays. Inside linebackers coach Kirk Olivadotti will be the one that will actually relay them to uh, uh, Devondre Campbell, the Packers' you know, Mike linebacker. So there will be a little bit of a you know, telephone game going on there, but that being said – 
this is a unit that's played really well together, and Campbell's made a lot of things work from a communication standpoint this week, this year. This is going to be a big stress. It's going to be a big challenge, but ultimately I feel like the Packers have to think they're, they're in a good spot right now considering the way they've built defensively over the last month. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see on the defensive side as well with regard to the injuries. Do the Packers get Preston Smith back for this game? Do they get... Kevin King back for this game and for all the attention on Kyler Murray and rightfully so he's off to an MVP type start uh, to his 2021 season but you look at this receiving core for the Arizona Cardinals my goodness West DeAndre Hopkins AJ Green Christian Kirk and then your number four is a young man named Rondale Moore, who I have not watched a whole lot of Arizona this season but I did watch a good portion of their game against the Minnesota Vikings early in the season because I believe that was week two when the yeah. Packers were playing on Monday night. So we, we were at home watching games on Sunday. And this Rondale Moore out of Purdue, obviously I saw him in the Big Ten as well. If this, if this guy's your number four receiver, like, my goodness, you, you, you're a matchup nightmare for, for any defense. Yeah. If they want to put all four of those receivers on the field, they can, they can spread you out. They can still have a running back in the backfield to, to run the ball out of that spread type of stuff. And obviously, Kyler Murray himself is a threat to run the ball as well. Oh, and if they didn't have enough, they went and traded a third-round pick for Zach Ertz. You know, I mean, yeah, just... to get to get a tight end. If you if you want to have a tight end in instead, you know, a proven Pro Bowl type tight end instead of one of those wide receivers, go out there. There. there you go. No, but uh, you know the thing is, uh, I just love the balance of their offense. A couple things. It's impressive. First and foremost, uh, Murray's been exceptional. 116 passer rating this year, uh, 17 touchdowns against five interceptions. He's completing passes at 73 percent. Mike. I remember back in the day that you get to 60% on your completions. That was a good year for a quarterback. It's trending more and more towards 75% now. Yeah, he's he's putting I mean, his completion percentage is even is even north of Drew Brees yeah. when Drew Brees was was doing that 70% kind of but, stuff. But, you know, you you look at it, the fact is, I mean, he you know, he's scrambling in terms of just running the ball. He's doing that less this year, but he's still making plays happen. These throws he's you you've been watching of him escaping the pocket and throwing across the hash marks but still finding receivers the laws of quarterback have steadily been broken it seems like the last few years with what these guys can do running and throwing against their body and and Murray exemplifies that but what I like the most about what they've built in Arizona is the wide array of weapons that they have I've liked Christian Kirk since he came out of college and I think you're seeing him break out this year DeAndre Hopkins is the guy that gets all the headlines and while he is having another productive season he's leading them in receptions they have so many different ways that they can go. As you mentioned, Rondell Moore also becoming a featured playmaker, and then obviously, you know, with uh, Chase Edmonds now being the featured back. Th- there are just, they have what? I think it's five guys over 24 catches this year, yeah. four guys over 300 receiving yards. They can burn you in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little bit of shout out to our sponsors here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs. We believe in better. All right, well, you alluded to it early in the show that. This stadium, which is now called State Farm Stadium, I yep. believe, it's been the location of uh, some rather wild and wacky Packers games, right? And, of course, I'm talking about the two playoff games out there in the Aaron Rodgers era, the 2009 wild card game, the 2015 
divisional game, both just nutty, crazy games in different ways, in their own way. The first one back in 09, the Packers fall behind by three touchdowns, you know, use an onside kick in the middle of this big comeback. They get the score tied a couple of different times, goes to overtime. Aaron Rodgers has a shot down the middle to Greg Jennings for, you know, as he said, could have been a walk-off 80-yard touchdown. He just misses him. And then, of course, the uh, the sack fumble, the missed face mask, and Carlos Dansby's running the other way. And the Cardinals are moving on, and the Packers go home. And then six years later, the Packers are back in that stadium in the postseason. And, of course, that one fans probably remember even more. You've got the the, the fourth and fourth and 20 bomb to Jeff Janis, and then he catches the Hail Mary a couple plays after that. And as you had mentioned, this is all after back in the first quarter, Randall Cobb makes an unbelievable catch on a deep ball down the field that doesn't even count because of a penalty. And he ends up getting a punctured lung on the play and, and is taken to the hospital. And he's watching the second half from a second half and the overtime after the Hail Mary from a hospital bed. And Larry Fitzgerald ends up with the big play and scores the winning touchdown. So now the Packers are going back without their defensive coordinator with two of their top receivers, one of them obviously an all-pro, not available to play. One of those games where you just you just wonder, okay, so what's the crazy thing that's going to happen now? I mean, this is why everybody's going to tune in Thursday night, yeah. right? I, I have a um, an epilogue to this whole re- this is what I'm about to say, so I hope you'll give me the, the extended mic as soon as I finish my answer to your question. Sure. Because there are two different things I want to go into here. First and foremost, there has been some wild stuff that's happened in Scottsdale over the years. <laughs> now, I, I wasn't on the beat yet, but I remember that 2019 game. Is that still the highest scoring playoff game in NFL history? I wasn't sure. Yeah, it ended up, ended up 51 to 45 in overtime. The 96 points, I believe, is still the highest scoring. I don't scoring. remember anything beating it. I, still, I believe that's still the highest scoring postseason game in NFL in history. In a wild game because of especially all the craziness that happened on the Packers' offense, but the Packers' defense, that might still be the best defense they've had pound for pound you know, since basically Super Bowl 31, right? right? I mean, statistically, I think it was, what, number two in the league in total defense? Yeah, game. and yet Kurt Warner threw five touchdown passes and only four incompletions in the so game. Wild. It was it was an un- unbelievable football game. Nothing made sense about it. But 2015 is a weird one. And and I remember, or technically, I guess it'd be January of 16, right? Right. I remember saying to my colleague Pete Doherty as we left the stadium that night. That, that was the last game you covered for the Press Gazette. It was. Too, I also missed my alarm the next morning and was almost <laughs> the only time I missed a flight. I had Pete Doherty and Ryan Wood calling me at 4.20 in the morning. Uh, we were supposed to all drive over there, quickly throw on all my clothes, and uh, I ended up catching the last shuttle to make my, like, 6 o'clock flight over at the airport. Gotcha. Always stay at the airport hotel. That's the key if you're ever having to go and be a professional football writer. Getting back to the main part of the story. Okay, sorry, I distracted but, you. But, no, but that game, what I told Pete when we left is that was a hard game to cover because for the first time – I felt as as strange as the 14 NFC Championship game was. Sure. But I think there were a lot of things that worked against the Packers there, a lot of opportunities missed, right? That ultimately led it. The thing that stunk about the 15 playoff game was that the outcome didn't match the story. Right. The narrative of yep. the game didn't actually correlate with the result. It, it that should have been a game the Packers won, not because they played better, not because, but because of the the Hail Marys, the Janice, a guy that caught more yards, I think, in that game than maybe the rest of his NFL career, at least close to it. Yeah. Jared Aberderis having to step up. 
that game in particular is one that'll always stand out to me because it was it, it illustrated Aaron Rodgers' brilliance. But it also, you know, kind of showed just the craziness that can happen in the National Football League. Yeah, and I'll and I'll add on that too because of because of the wild ending with the the bomb from the end zone on fourth and twenty, and then the hail mary to get the game to overtime. It's easy to forget in that game also when you talk about things that were working against the Packers. They're not only losing Randall Cobb early in the game. Devontae Adams was not in that game because he had gotten hurt in the wild card round the previous week against Washington. So Devontae Adams was not on the field for that game. But Arizona's go-ahead scoring drive, this is when Carson Palmer was uh, the Cardinals quarterback, on that go-ahead scoring drive, Sam Shields had a chance at an interception right by the end zone pylon, just missed it, wasn't able to haul it in. And then a couple of plays later, they score the go-ahead touchdown off a deflected pass. Yes. You know, you, were, you and I were sitting basically kind of, I was in the row behind you in the press box in that end zone. That pass gets deflected, and I don't even remember which receiver caught it, but, um, but the Packers play great defense to deny that touchdown. And yet they still come up with the touchdown uh, reception off the deflection, um, and uh, you know the the Packers almost won that game in as shorthanded as they were yeah. in regulation without the hail mary. They were that close to winning that game and and uh, and moving on in the playoffs that year. So just a a wild and crazy game. And as I said, I'm just wondering, given all the circumstances that are going into this one, what wild and crazy thing is going to happen on Thursday night out in the desert? You beautifully set me back up like a, like a, a volleyball volley, right? Well, I did my best. Setter. You got it right back to me. Cause this is the point I wanted to make. Yeah. This game could be played on Thursday night. It could be played on Sunday night. It could be played on Monday night. The Packers are probably going to be a hurting unit no matter what. Right. You know, they're, they're going to have a chance to get some guys back here, but you don't know with Devontae and, and Lazard whether or not where all that situation would go. My rant, my epilogue, if you will, that I wanted to say, and I don't even know if, if Marv wants me to just speak directly into the camera over here <laughs> on my, my single shot, but to the NFL, if you're watching, if you tuned in today to Packers Unscripted, thank you, first off. But secondly we got to get rid of these switching time zones on Thursday night football. Yeah. It's got to stop. There's 17 regular season games now. This thing's going to January 9th, regardless if the Packers win the rest of their games or lose the rest of their games. January 9th is the Packers finale. we got to keep these Thursday night games in the same time zone. I understand all the things that go into a schedule, and I don't care that the, the Cardinals are 7-0. Cardinals could be 0-7. Right. Like, it's not about, oh, this is unfair to the Packers. The fact that guys have to turn around on this kind of schedule and then have to fly to Arizona. Yeah, Thursday night football games are miles. here to stay. It's just the way life is. They make too much money off of it. But we can't do this anymore. Green Bay went to San Francisco on a Thursday night a couple years back. I don't remember when that was. That was last year. That actually. was last year. Sorry, it's yeah. been a long year. Yeah. <laughs> a lot Clearly. of things going on in the world. Clearly. But if you want to do Thursday night football, fine. But the Packers play so division games – Games in the Midwest, they played Cincinnati yeah, this Packers year. Packers played a 2018 Thursday night game at Seattle. Yeah, it's time. It's time to keep these Thursday night games in the same time zone, in my opinion. But, I mean, having to fly out to – even if Arizona was coming here, I just, I just don't think that's right. I don't think it's right from a player's safety standpoint. Packers could win by 50. They could lose by 50. Yeah. Either way, I, I don't feel like this is the right thing for the National Football League. So you're right. Some crazy stuff's going to happen. Yeah, it but is. But unfortunately, I don't think all of it could potentially be quote-unquote natural. Yeah. I, Thank you, Marv. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Last thing before we go. 
We always do talk about the keys to victory, yep. so let's uh, let's zero in on it here. We've talked about a lot of things during the week as far as containing Kyler Murray and what the Packers need to do, you know, with the shorthanded receiving core on offense and all of that. What's the biggest thing that stands out to you as this Thursday night game kicks off? Dean Lowry said it. I'm not even going to have an original thought. I'm going to copy Dean. Rush lane integrity. One thing is you – very astutely pointed out, Mike, with Taylor Heineke, even with some regards to Justin Fields, you you know, these guys that have the ability to scramble on you, you can't get behind them. You have to be able to understand that, okay, you're trying to get them, you're trying to rush them, you're trying to sack them, but you also can't get out of your lanes to do that because they can hurt you with their feet. The dangerous thing about Kyler Murray is with his arm, yes, this guy can burn you. Yes, he could scramble for 15, 20 yards if he wants to, but he also could hit you for an explosive play through the air. Yeah, he can he can get out of the pocket and and let it rip 50, 60 yards down the field. I mean, yeah. he's got that kind of arm strength or on the run off of one leg, he can let it fly. The Packers are banged up, especially now on the offensive side of the ball. But defensively, the one area that's been a strong suit for them here has been the defensive line. Kenny's having to work through the ankle right now, but for the most part, that group is solidified now. Being able to push the pocket collapse the pocket on Murray I think is going to be essential you can't let him get into a rhythm because otherwise he's going to put up the yards yeah absolutely and 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 for me if the Packers were at full strength offensively I would say okay you know if you're going to get into a shootout you know bring it on Aaron Rodgers maybe can you know can can win a shootout here against Kyler Murray without Devontae Adams without Alan Lazard I'm just I just don't think the Packers want to get into that kind of game. I think the Packers and, and I'm not saying, you know, you you play Dick Bennett basketball here against <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals, but you but but I don't think you can I don't think you can go into this game thinking, okay, we're just we're just gonna let it rip and, and try to outscore him. I think the Packers need to be able to run the football, control the clock, limit limit the number of possessions that that defense is going to have to chase Kyler Murray around. But at the same time, obviously you've got to put points on the board. Aaron Rodgers, this is a, this is a great, this is a great quarterback matchup, obviously a three-time MVP against a guy that, you know, at some point is probably going to win an MVP, whether it's this year or some other time. But Aaron Rodgers has to, Aaron Rodgers has to be the best player on the field both in terms of the plays that he makes with the personnel that he has, but also in how he just he has to take command of the game in terms of this is this is how the offense is going to run we're going to be efficient we're going to do what it takes and we're not going to have to score 40 points in order to win this this is this is where this is where Aaron Rodgers has to essentially control the football game well, in my mind and these are where the the five star chefs really separate themselves right i mean you're not you may not have your filet mignon you may not have all the things that you need to to have your typical you know $1000 five-course meal. But you do have weapons yet in this offense, and Rodgers has to find ways to utilize them. And there's been so many times, Mike, I've been covering this team for 10 years, you've been doing it for 15, where you've seen Aaron Rodgers with the depleted resources or not having his top receiver have to find ways to make things work with the other guys in the room. And there's a reason why, since April, they've been having – you know, more than one. It hasn't just all been Devontae Adams. They've been developing these young guys as well. You have to get the job done with the guys who are available come 720 
on Thursday night. Yeah, well, it should be it should be a fun one to watch, no doubt about it. And with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and everything with regard to Thursday night's big game. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.